Four Color Nerds comic podcast. I'm Carissa, and I'm joined by our other nerds, Ryan Hello. and Christina. Hi. It is Matt's turn now to fall victim to Order 66, and he will return next week. So that being said, together we take on this week's comics. Each week we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now. Go read your week. Each week one of us picks their favorite book, and that's the pick of the week. And this week I am that nerd, and my pick of the week goes to Rocket Raccoon and Groot 1. That's probably no surprise to anyone. So, Rocket Raccoon and Groot Number 1, Marvel Comics, written by Scotty Young and art by Philip Andrad. So, I actually didn't think this was going to be my pick of the week. Because um, it was up with some pretty big contenders, some image comics that are my favorite. But, and I, I, I knew I was going to enjoy it, but it, it won out. And why it ran out was this. So, we see Rocket and Groot, and um, actually we don't see them. It starts off with like a kind of a funeral scene. With uh, Lady Star-Lord, a.k.a. Kitty Pride, Drax, and Venom, and The Thing. And the, some of those lines in there are just hilarious. Like, mostly Drax is just being hilarious. I was laughing my ass off <laughs> at that. Going back, he really liked this gun. But what, that was all funny, but what really got me was when Kitty was just like, Oh, don't mind uh, 90s tribal tat, man. Who's <laughs> referring to Drax? And I was, like, chuckling so much. So, yeah, shows them, like, in a coffin, I guess, something happened, you know, and they're being space a la Spock. I was going to say, it reminded me so much of, like, Search for Spock. Yeah. Or... And next thing you know, they're, like, into some sort of vortex, and then you see, like, alternate reality version. There's a ship flying, and it hits, I guess, the coffin, odd, whatever you want to call it. And you see, ta-da-da, pockets and shrub! <laughs> I love them. <laughs> we are shrub. We are shrub. And, oh. and then there's like it's, it says that there ain't no thing but me it's like we cannot be replicated or duplicated I was like oh my god so yeah so basically it's an alternate reality version of Rocket Raccoon and Groot but it's Shrub and Pockets and Pockets is like a shrew or a mouse or something yeah, and, yeah. I'd say mouse I'd say mouse, mouse. Yeah. or rat maybe it's a rat maybe it's a rat. rat but so they so then you're basically it's really not about Groot and Rocket, this particular time, it's basically the comic is Shrub in Pockets because they get a job at like a space like dive bar and they're hired by someone to take contents to this planet. And so they don't know what it is. You kind of get an inkling of what you think it might be. But when they get to the planet, lo and behold, there's a like, wow, King Rocket. I don't know who's going by, but alternate. With his big helmet? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rocket is sitting there and he's going to like sentence them to death and then one of the guards happens to call him like a vermin and so then he sentences that guy to death too which I thought that was uh, very fitting um, but what comes down to like oh, it was a mistake you were bringing him a gift and the gift ended up being big old Groot comes full grown Groot comes out of this pod but he's all like carved into you know, like people do to trees and stuff so I'm like if, if it was Groot if Groot was covered in tattoos which Made my little punk heart happy. I love that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I agree with tattoos. Yeah, it looks like it's like the carvings like kids do on like on trees and stuff. Or, you know, like yeah. Betty loves Johnny kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe was here, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I really love that. So that's why it won. It just kind of had all those little nuances and little chuckles that really made me laugh. So it really endeared it to me. So that's what made it my pick of the week. And that's why I loved it. Even though it, was a li- it wasn't exactly Rocket and Groot. But it was shrub and pocket. Did, did you notice the the carving on his forehead, the rotten? 
uh, one, so I don't know if Groot is is okay yeah. or not. <laughs> or, or it might not even be the actual Groot Groot. It could be just a Groot. <laughs> That's true. He is, like, from a planet of, yeah. of Groots. So. Yes, he's Lord, Lord Raskoon. Yeah, uh, Raskoon. <laughs> So yes, I I really liked it. I thought it was adorable and fun, and I look. I, I'm going to read it some more. I I laughed out loud when the coffin hit their ship. Uh, that was very very funny. <laughs> I, I enjoyed this a lot. We're getting a lot of like alternate rockets and uh, Groots, you know. I love. I it's like with the with the Howard with the Shocket and Linda. We're getting we're getting everybody. Everybody gets a clone or a alternate version of themselves. But I, I like their, uh, especially the Rocket Raccoon uh, clones, really seem to be that, like, archetype. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what universe you're in, you know, with, uh, what is it, uh, Peter Parker, like, within, like, the Spider, was it Spider Wars or whatever they, the one where they had the multi, the Spider-verse? Spider-verse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had all Same kind of spiders. idea. Oh, when he was going through all of them while he was, yeah, I, I saw the cartoon version of that with my son the other day. <laughs> Yeah, it was Spider Pig and all that. Love Spider Pig. Spider Ham. Say it. Spider Ham. Sorry. I I I liked the Spider Verse comics because that's that's where Gwen came from. Spider Gwen and uh, I love Spider Punk. Things out of things is it? Oh, that's (laughs) right. Uh, Let's see. I'm gonna take. I give it a solid uh, four and a half. Cussing uh, raccoons. (laughs) I gave it four rodents. I'm gonna get it for I am Groots. Nice. Yeah, it was it was solid. It was good. I I um, I love the art because I love Scotty Young. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I I was gonna ask that I knew you like Scotty Young. I I will read anything he puts out, especially since he you know he does the art and he well he wrote this one actually. He did the cover. Yeah, yeah he, he did, did the cover. Wrote this one, he did the cover. Yeah, but it's him. So, yep, I'm a sucker. <laughs> so you're all on it. I'm a sucker. Yep. <laughs> so uh, yeah, leaving the Marvel verse and heading over to. I don't know what you call the Archie universe. The Archieverse. The Archieverse. <laughs> we have Archie number five from Archie Comics, written by Mark Wade, art by Veronica Fish. So I want I, I chose this book because I realized we'd mentioned Archie a couple times and also the Jughead comic, but I don't think we've ever actually reviewed one of them. But I thought it was probably time to actually to touch on Archie. Uh, that sounded wrong. Um, <laughs> I don't want to touch Archie. That that it might be you may get in trouble for that. It might. So uh, the Archie uh, comic, I really like the art in this, um, the Veronica Fish art. Um, I think it makes it feel really modern, but it, it straddles that line between being like modern and updated without being without like trying too hard. You know, it's not like they're all like extreme skateboarders or you know hanging with like you know trying to use a bunch of street slang. Like they are the Archie characters. They still they're modern, but there's they still have that. That goodness to them, but not they're not so like naive anymore, I guess would be they've grown the up I they've think. grown up a little bit. Yeah, little I think sure. that they, they are teenagers for this world. Yeah. What it really feels like, especially when you get Archie narrating and kind of not exactly breaking the fourth wall, but basically as the narrator, feels a lot like Ferris Bueller. Almost exactly <laughs> like in Ferris Bueller when he narrates. And he has kind of a similar personality. So to me that's what the Archie comic feels like. If you like Ferris Bueller, you will like Archie. In this one, you get you get to see Reggie, uh, who gets to show why he's the kind of an archetypal villain. Like he is a total asshole, he's a <laughs> and manipulative. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's not a nice guy. So in this one, of course, Betty and Veronica are you know battling over Archie, um, and they see Jughead and 
Betty. I see Archie kind of falling under Veronica's sway, and they're worried about that. So they want um, Reggie to help them break them up. So he engineers this this idea where Veronica is going to get really mad and like explode on someone in front of Archie, and then he'll realize that she's like a terrible person and not like her. This was the part of the book that I thought was not as strong because she she basically basically bursts into the room and sees like this like fashion show they're putting together and it looks fucking terrible (laughs) like that's the only part of the book that was not believable to me like like, those uh (laughs) yeah those clothes are awful (laughs) like which i guess when veronica then is really nice to them so their plan backfires yeah so basically if you were tim gunn they it didn't work for you is that what you're saying that's what I'm saying is the clothes, uh, unless it's just showing how really, really nice Veronica actually is because those clothes. Are cool. and they, no, they, it, and that's it's, you know, it's a student clothes designer. It's that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of. And like it's supposed to be based off of like Archie is this like fashion icon, which I just I'm not I'm not buying it. No, I think it's a bridge too far. But I liked this one because you got to see like the classic Archie is like. You know, Betty is good, Veronica is bad, and in this one, you kind of see that they both have those the, those traits in common. Mm-hmm. That you know, yes, Betty is really nice and you know the sweet one, but she's also can be manipulative and trying to like harm people, which is what she's exactly what she's doing to like Veronica and Archie. But then you also have Veronica, who's like supposed to be the mean, kind of selfish one, who's actually pretty nice to the people who did the clothing line. So there was kind of like a mix of the two. And then I also liked um, kind of at the end where they were talking about Jughead and Betty were talking about how like Veronica notices his freckles and Jughead was like, well, who cares? That's not important. You know, and she's like, well, you know, the right person will notice that kind of thing. So I thought that was kind of like a, acknowledgement that maybe she's not the most terrible thing in the world for him that whole panel i I really actually liked that whole panel that that whole scene of where they're talking about that that was really that was really cute i i actually really liked that one and i also liked they had this uh this narrative device they were using where archie is trying to tell you a joke and he keeps getting interrupted to tell you the joke so like every couple pages he'll try and you know retell you the joke but then something will happen so he can't finish it until the very end and like the joke's not that good, but they do it. They do it three times, which is like a rule, of, you know, that if you do something three times, it's funny. So when he finally gets to tell you the punchline, I, I smiled. You know, I thought it was kind of funny, and I also thought that the whole point of the joke was it was taking a really long time. So the joke itself took a long time was kind of kind of clever. So I think Archie. My big takeaway for it is it's updated to feel modern. Like it doesn't feel like you're writing, like you're reading a comic that was written in the 1950s. It feels like a very modern story about, I don't want to say nice people in like modern times, but like non-cynical kids in in modern times. Um, Like I would give this to a kid. Well, I'd give it to anybody because it's just, it's good. I would give this to a kid who wanted to read comics, definitely. But it's not exactly, it's, it's still, I think other people would enjoy it too. Like I've, I've read every issue of Archie. I'm certainly not a kid, you know, but I I enjoy it. I, I find that it has some emotional truth to it so i you named your I like car that. once after a character from rg i did um, you did i named two of my cars after <laughs> this is true um so my first uh my first car was was betty b 
because it was nice and sweet and and all of that. But eventually, I had to get rid of that car, and I got a car that was a little a little more I don't not exactly sporty because you know that that's not a good description for it. But it was it was newer and sleeker, mm-hmm. and it was black. So it was Veronica. Oh my goodness! This was <laughs> good callback. I had almost completely forgotten that Marissa that I named my cars Betty and Veronica. I remembered. Yes. Well, you named your car Alphonse, right? Yes. From uh, Full Metal Alchemist. So, yes, we we are nerds. Um, so I'm trying. So my husband got a Hellcat. We were had been looking for another car, and so he got a Hellcat, and he wanted to name it something sweet. And I'm trying to get him to name it Patsy. You have to name it Patsy. I know. I'm super close because he really likes um, Jessica Jones. He really likes that show. I'm get, so close. So not, give him Patsy Walker, aka Hellcat. Does he not know that she's that that character is going to be Hellcat? He, he does. I told oh, him. He, okay. He, he asks me questions, so he really like he does like to know like kind of what's going on because he and some of the stuff he finds out on his own because he listens to other podcasts like Kevin. So. He, right. find, he finds finds stuff out, but he he's it's close. I'm almost there. I think you could win him over. the 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 Patsy Walker comic was good. Mm-hmm. Just slide that across to him, and I think you'll you'll have him I'm, won over to I'm, your side. I'm hoping. I'm hoping he hasn't yeah. named it yet, so I still there's still a chance. <laughs> there's still a chance. <laughs> so I gave this one, I guess, uh, four Riverdales. <laughs> I'll give it a th- three and a half Jugheads. There you go. Uh, I would say three Jughead crowns. Oh, what about three burgers? Damn it. Oh, uh. yes. So, Christina, you back to the Marvelverse. Back to the Marvelverse. Not the multiverse, the Marvelverse. Yeah, which is much better. <laughs> if Matt was only here, he would probably go into a giant rant. Insert, insert Matt's rant here. So, Doctor Strange, issue number four, by Jason Aaron and... Bacallo. Damn it. Chris Bacallo. Thank you. So I, from the very first page when I opened to the title of this, I was dying because it's called the, oh, art, yeah, yeah. the Art of Puking Without Puking, which I swore to God, I was like, did somebody write this comic book out of my, about my husband? Because he does that <laughs> quite often <laughs> in his hungover stage. I'm going to puke. I'm not going to puke. I'm going to puke. I'm not going to puke. So I, I swore I was like, this is seriously somebody somebody knows it was it was funny i enjoy that i love how they tell the story of the art of puking without puking um we get go to the ancient one where he's it's basically an explanation of how like the force the force of the magic you you take a physical toll it takes a physical toll on you um so anything like even if you if you punch somebody um that obviously hurts your hand I guess you may be doing it wrong if it hurts your hand because it's not supposed to hurt your hand. But anyway. <laughs> Don't tuck your thumb. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Don't make sure you punch flat. But it's an explanation about how, you know, it will take a toll on you. And so that's where he's, that's where the puking without puking, but he ends up puking anyway, which I thought was pre- pretty funny and well done. I liked, I liked the, uh, the little black and white, you know, going back to the story. And then we go. I liked in the uh, the black and white panels that the uh, the eyes of the ancient one mm-hmm. are actually in color. Yes, I thought that was that was cool. That first panel yeah. was really good. That was really good and creepy. I, I quite enjoyed that. And the vomit is in color. Yeah, <laughs> <It is cool. laughs> well, it has to stand out so you know what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. It could just be he's spewing milk. So hmm. we get, we'll give it a little color. Give it a little yellowish green tinge to it. So we go now. We go into modern modern times, and I love this bar that he's in. 
but the bar is the best. The bar is the best. This there is a tiki bar in San Francisco, and Chrissy, you probably know the name of it. The one that's under the kind of like you go walk downstairs to uh, it. Smuggler's Cove. Uh, yes, that's it. It kind of made me think of that. Because they say it has, like, there's a bar with, like, no doors. Mm-hmm. So, like, it reminded me of that. And you see all the characters in there. And I'm not good at identifying everybody, but I got two of them. There's what? There's uh, Magic. Yep. There's uh, Scarlet Witch. That, those are the two. <laughs> Doctor. Other than the ones they name. I, yeah. I didn't I didn't know all the other ones. But they're all in there. I love it. It's like, is this, like, their, their big, like, one month, like, all the magicians get their drink in the weird tiki bar and talk about yes. what's going on. Um, so they're, they're, he's sensing that there's, he sees that there's people that are like, they're being murdered. They're like disappearing. He's like done his, his magic to go out and see. He's like, there's people that are just missing. I, you know, I've been summoning this casting spell and people are like, they're not, there's no, there's no response. Yeah. The, all the other, the sorcerer Supremes of the other dimensions. Exactly. They're, they're, they're just gone. He's like, I'm not getting anybody to respond to me. Um, and so he's, he wants to go out and he's wants to find like what, you know, what's happening, what's going on. And then it's, I guess the head, that's the bartender, the head in the jar. (laughs) Uh, he says it's that he's got a phone call for him and he says, I'm afraid there's been another, another death. And what's interesting is it's not, it's, not exactly human, but it's it's one of his books has actually died. It's it's like all the pages are all blank and empty. And this was the book in one of the previous issues that attacked him. So obviously they know that there's something wrong. Um, so he knows that something he's got to he's got to go and figure out why everything is everything is going wrong. What's happening? Where are these people going? Why are people dying? Why are the books dying? We go through a kind of a fun introduction about what he eats, which is really gross. I did not know about this at all. I think this is new. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it's new, and I think it's, I, I don't know, I thought it was really fun. I'm like, oh, I really like this. I, I did, too. I love his chef. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting that, you know, the magic has basically altered his his body, yeah. you know, so that he can only eat these, like, weird alien things that, you know, taste terrible, you know. But it sustains him. I mean, even, like, I guess Wong is, is his chef slash, I don't know, uh, what's Batman's? Valet. Butler, like like his Alfred. Yes, yes. thank you. His his Alfred. I think Valet. I've been watching the Downton Abbey too much, I guess. Oh, <laughs> the thing with the food really to me seemed like a really strong like um like drug use analogy. You yeah, know, that's all. Like it's can. this it's this thing that he he has to do that he can't stop doing that you know isn't pleasant exactly, no. but it sustains him. He has to do it, whether even if he doesn't like it. And I, he does say it tastes terrible. Like, he knows that it tastes terrible, but he eats it anyway. Yeah. I think he says it tastes like leprosy. Yeah. I think just, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. he's descriptive. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's just bad. Um, so he now, after he figures out this about the book, sustains himself with his, his food, he's got to go and find what's happening. And so he goes, it's awesome, he opens his a door to a portal that actually it go it takes him I have no idea where it takes him but he eventually ends up um, underneath the Indian Ocean he's going to the temple of Watum I'm assuming this is something that I should know I don't know I'm okay with uh, it so there's like a doctor strange like Watum is like basically like a lost civilization kind of deal so there's like the wand of Watum there's like this city you know there's so it's a doctor yeah. strange thing it, they didn't it looks make up yeah. it looks like this. an Atlantis thing and I I was wondering if that had yep. something to do with it cuz that's what, to me what it looked like and I noticed the face in the front looks like definitely like a Marvel character 
like a Thanos or something like that. There was when he was walking in, so I don't know if that is oh. indication of something. I think that should spew lava, but wasn't. No, it was the yeah the statues. Yeah, yeah, that I was like that looks. I don't know if that's just the, a touch because it's Marvel, but I was like well, that looks interesting. So he gets up to the temple and he gets attacked. And has anybody seen Live Die Repeat? The one with yes. Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Yeah. Did it seriously yes. not look like those creatures? The arms that yeah. attack him. Yeah, just, which is really funny because that movie is based on a book from Japan that's mm-hmm. called. Oh man, I'm drawing a blank on it. Ah, oh, but, but I know what you're talking but about. It, then it was turned into a comic, a manga, which has then turned into this movie. Which, but it totally looked like it, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's so awesome!" Because I actually really yeah. enjoyed the creatures in that movie. That was probably my, to me, that was a, one of the best parts of that whole movie. That's what? what it's called. All, all you need is kill. That's what yeah. it's called. So he sees these things, and he's slicing his his sword, and it's he. It, I like it because he's getting the call. Zelma is calling him. And so he's talking and fighting and talking and fighting. They're talking about like all the the books are dying and and then all of a sudden her her phone dies and then he goes through his you know basically we kind of it, it's kind of full circle because he now goes he's going through you know all of these things that I've done. It's the same thing yeah. about the punt the the puking and the punching and he's like going through all of that, learning how to puke. I now I know what all this means. Um, and then he's kind of like a realization of like oh my god they're. You know, magic is dying, killing magic. There's what? What is a world if there is no world without magic? Which is like obviously the worst fear for Doctor Strange and probably all of the magicians that are still even left. And then there, we, I love the last panel, the creepy, like I'm putting a, all a call out. You know, the, the enemy is here, they're here, and then you see these things. You see them coming up the stairs. Oh yeah, these creepy. I guess they they look like metal cats with well, yeah, like robo tigers. Yeah, yeah. They kind of like a cybernetic battle cat. Yes. But yes. Much more evil. Yeah. yeah, they look evil. They don't look. They don't look they don't good. Look They're good. not there for cuddles. I, there's that that panel where she where Zelma is talking to Doctor Strange mm-hmm. on the the phone and she's holding up her umbrella and all the books are falling yeah. down around her. They're all dying. Like if they ever film this, I want to see that oh, scene. That would be that so looks, awesome. Yeah, it looks it looks amazing. And as a as a nerd, seeing all the books dying oh, was no, so sad no. to me. Like, I've probably read books where there's, like, you know, people just getting massacred, you know, just this week, and it did not make me as sad as the books, all the books dying. That was very sad. Well, I mean, he's it's got to take a toll on Doctor Strange. Those are all his books. I mean, those are... Well, and then when you think about, like, the reason the books are dying is because whatever, like, universe they're linked to yeah. has been, is being wiped out. Exactly. You know? That's why he had to go, because the book, the book that died was the book of that tomb, or the, the temple. And that's yeah. why he knew he had to go there to see what was happening. So that's pretty sad. Um, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I am I am on board with Jason Aaron in general. So um, you can't go wrong with Jason Aaron. He's he's, he's going to give you some good stuff. He's pretty freaking amazing. He does as we've talked about before. He kind of does everything, which is amazing. Like he does so many different random things, like the Star Wars. Um, yeah, he's got range. I will give it four and a half magic wands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I give it uh, four eyes of Agamatos. I give it four pukes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a stomach flu this weekend, so this was really uh, spoke to me. <laughs> so speaking of not feeling well, you had a, a book from Image. How is it about not feeling well? <laughs> because she's been shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Paper Girls, number four, Image Comics, written by Brian K. Vaughn. It's like my Jason Aaron, I guess, Brian K. Vaughn. <laughs> and art by Cliff Chang. I thought this issue was more of like a informative. There wasn't a lot of like, it was it, it hasn't been my favorite out of them, but I, I mean, 
it had interesting stuff. So the girls are making their escape after what is it, pterodactyl riding dude? Have we like have names for the different groups yet? I'm not sure. I don't think no. Pterodactyl riding dude gets killed by zombie time traveler dudes or mutant. I think more mutant, not zombie. Mutant time traveler dudes, and they're. I look like they're making their way through the sewer, and um, the more deformed one is carrying. Oh, I draw a blank on her name. Uh, um, the one that was shot. Cat. Yeah, yeah, just go with that. Yeah, yeah the one that was shot. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like learning they're trying to talk and figure out more about them and I, I see how you like Aaron, Aaron. Yeah, and then um, you hear the reaction about how one of the mutants uh, has a boyfriend and the very 80s young naive reaction to that and like I thought, I thought that was really strong like writing yeah. like the sense of it being in 1989 is mm-hmm. really really strong like they're, this setting like they're of this time and they're of the, the age they are so like that is the reaction you're gonna get in grade school in 1989. Yeah, yeah. I love it. She's like, ew. And then the other, yeah. and the other girl's like, shush. Yeah, she's like, uh, what? Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I really thought that was a very, um, yeah, like you said it was very fitting and very accurate for that time. It really helped set that tone again, which they've been really good so far with this series doing that. Yes. That's I like. Brian K. Vaughn will let his characters be authentic rather than just being like good. Mm-hmm. You know, like these aren't just like good children in peril. These are believable characters. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah, it shows them being like so. But one of the other pterodactyl writing people, which you don't know, comes down, finds the death. They, they say that there's been waker, something like uh, some sort of name they have for people who haven't been affected by whatever they're doing, which I. Stragglers, I think. Was it stragglers? Yeah. Was it? I thought there was something else. Okay, well, yeah, so they put out a, a call for them to find them with the, was it Eldritch or Eldric? What was it? Edatrix. Edatrix. Something, a weird name for some beholding looking thing. Yeah, it does look that like a beholder. Awesome, I loved it. I was like, it's a beholder. <laughs> yeah, so they're in the sewer and um, they're talking to those guys and they clearly, they had a translator, but then they realize it's being tracked and he breaks it. So then they can't understand the two mutants anymore. And just at that time is when the beholder looking thing, which is the Editrix or whatever it's called, comes and starts attacking them. And so, oh, it's... that's where she starts playing Nintendo in her head. Yeah, and then, yeah, so yeah, basically, oh yeah, because one gets a, a tentacle, I guess, wrapped around her yes. throat. Her yes, life, Tiffany. Yeah, her life flashes before her eyes, and it's all her playing video games, and it's very kind of boring. But um, I thought it was really, I love the silent I did panels. too. And all the pastel colors yeah. and on. And... I love the games. But I think you just yeah. understand, I like the panels, but the life seemed boring. Is what, is what I well, that's the whole point, yeah. right? Is that... I was getting to that, because she even says that, like, oh, I think I've wasted my life her life yeah so and then she gets saved and they're trying to get they basically get away from and they, they get out and they're like behind a country club and they find another one of those weird pod things that they all touched at the beginning that zap them but this time it opens up and it looks like a weird like i don't know innards i, look, like I was gonna vagina. say it looks like they punched a butthole yeah i, I did vagina yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it had pink uh spongy inside looking they get inside and take aaron with them and then they close, and the girls don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, they're just gone, and they left the girls there, the, the remaining girls. So, and that's when we yes. leave. So, and they're like, "What?" There's some some parts that I really liked about this. Like, I like the uh, the like grandfather is like the mastermind of like the other side with his uh, 
his public enemy t-shirt. I don't yeah. know why I thought that oh, was yeah, so. I, I, yeah, I didn't reveal that. Yeah, the public enemy, the yeah, calling down. So it's like it seems like they're both time traveling, the two different groups, just in different ways. I think yeah. so. And then, well, they talk about they call it Sea Day. Like I don't know what that is, but it's basically if these girls get away, that something really bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like, is C, like, convergence, maybe? Like, that the times will collide together or something? I don't, I don't know. They don't really say. No. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure we're going to find out later. <laughs> and then, like, Erin was still really cool. Yes. She's very dedicated to yeah. her job. You should hire her. If you, if you ever find her, hire her. She will deliver those papers. Yeah. From hell, high water, getting shot in the gut. She'll you will get your papers. She'll do it. It takes a long time to die from, die from a gut wound. She can finish her route. She's, totally. She's on it. But, but I... I still give it a solid four uh, newspapers. I uh, I also gave it uh, four four routes. I'll give it uh, four power ups. Super and, <laughs> and another favorite image comics, I believe Christina was covering. Yeah, that's one of us was yeah. going to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, do you both have non-compliant tattoos, or just one of you? Just one of us. Yes, I haven't be- gotten I haven't gotten tattoo like a tattoo in years. <laughs> it's been a I was, while. I was thinking of getting one this week for uh, the Black Star for David Bowie. <laughs> I'm gonna get the lightning strike. On the nice. Face. I've been thinking about it because I want to do, which is totally off topic. I want to do. I have the the card suits on one side of me, and then I was gonna do four other things on the other side of me, and I think I was gonna do all band images, or I was gonna do band images and Star Wars images. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think I'm going to include the lightning strike in that. So Aladdin saying, yeah, I was actually going to paint that onto that giant bear head that I got. But, like you. So, moving on to probably go back into this later. <laughs> uh, Bitch Planet issue number six, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, art by a guest artist this week, um, or month, year, <laughs> uh, Taki Soma. Bitch Planet number six is the story of Miko. The this is. From what I understand, this is kind of one of the another one of those off the main story. We're we're actually getting some background into um, into the characters. Uh, I believe the next issue as is going to actually progress the story. Um, we find out about Miko. She she is a musician. Um, her mother is a music teacher. She has a beautiful you know she has a lovely life. Her mom and her her sister are very happy kids. She loves her dad. She finds out. Or she she looks at it's her right because I'm getting confused at who's it no it is her her and her dad shows her um, some sort of like plans for it looks like a it's a, I'm not exactly sure what I understand but is it like a ship or it's like something to protect I think planet? it's like a battleship or that's something. kind yeah. of what I was I, I think of as like the plans for the Death Star that's basically right? yeah. I was thinking what it was and it's funny because it's like she's like there's a loophole so is, did they find the <laughs> Did they find what is it the exhaust port? Yeah, is that what she finds in the in the plans? Because it yeah. almost is like that. Yes. Yeah, she points it out. Yeah. Uh, she's like, uh, Dad, there's a exhaust port here that I think that people could uh, maybe shoot some some lasers in there. <laughs> <laughs> it Always back to Star Wars. Um, so she points this out to him, and and he's like, uh, it's, and he's like, oh no, it's a draft. And she's like, uh, Dad, it's a it says final on here. She's like, oh. Well, I just do what I'm told. So he and, and I, I'm not exactly sure how he gets away with that because it it seems like his boss because he comes to his boss and his boss kind of it seems like he knows what's going on and and he wants to 
discuss it and he wants to co- I guess he wants to come over to his house have dinner or lunch and so he comes to the house and he meets the family and this is like classic creepy child yeah well and it's, it's yeah it's it's creepy, it's creepy and it's like a play on like the the power that's yeah. going on because like the boss it's like one of those like I know that you know that I know yeah. kind of situation I know that you plants here so version of the Death Star, yeah. um, and you basically give me your daughter, then I'll overlook it. You know, I'll, I'll let you change it. So. Yeah, I, I, you know. I will just kind of bypass this and just forget, you know, forget this ever happened kind of thing almost. Which just the creepiest motherfucking thing that you, and in his own house, he asks him. That is yeah. the creepiest, horrible, horrible. Um, his, I guess his wife hears... And he's like, like, okay, I'll turn myself in. I'll take full responsibility. You know, I, I'm probably going to go to jail and all these, these things. And the kids also hear what's going on. You can see them hiding around the corner. Right. So they totally fully know what's going on. Uh, so he goes and he's going to, I guess he's going to talk to the guy. And then there's, he gets the call that something's going on with his wife. She's in the hospital. She gets slammed down on the ground, which, I'm, which, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, well, because she's, it's her daughter, they call that their daughter's in the hospital. Yeah. And she's, um, she's like, she's giving them, you know, she's speaking her mind in the yeah. hospital. So since this was like a prequel, it's kind of like a, like a flashback. Yeah. Was, I, think, I think it's showing like hints of how the society that we're in, in Bitch Planet, came to be. Kind of, yeah, that's kind of, I was like, well, what, I was like, is Bitch Planet already exist at this point? Or is this, is this kind of the lead in? Because obviously... I mean, spoiler at the end of the story, we see what happens with, you know, we see why Miko goes to, um, but so what happens is, was one of the daughters is in the hospital, they, dad asks, you know, where, where's Miko? She's like, I don't have anybody by that name here. And then we see that she goes to creepy boss's house and is like, I'm here. I, I will do whatever I need to do for my family. She's like, oh, hey, let me play you a violin. I'm an awesome violinist. Play a violin. And she takes a violin string and chokes the motherfucking bitch out and kills him. Yeah, she garrots him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this whole thing kept me in suspense. I was like, what are they doing? Like, obviously, she's got a plan, but I don't understand. I like it when there's a plan Mm -hmm. that you don't understand until the plan is revealed, you know? Because we had no idea. I mean, we obviously know she goes to jail for something, but we have no clue. We have no idea when or why or any of it because she didn't really, we haven't seen anything about her so much as to why she's done it. So that was, that was an awesome reveal. I thought that was perfect. I mean, she, she did kill him, but she did it for her family. And that guy was a fucking pervert. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's uh, a scene in the hospital where they have like a panel, like the guard's face, yeah. where he's like looking at the mom before he like throws her to the ground, mm-hmm. and that's just such a like, just like dismissive, like I've had enough of you, yeah. and I have the power to do whatever I want right now, and no one's gonna say anything about it, you know? That, that's like it reminds me if you've seen that there's a picture of like a police officer like strolling through like a crowd of like protesters like mm-hmm. pepper spraying them mm-hmm. just really casually. I mean, it's a famous internet meme. I'm sure you've seen it. That's yeah. the look on that guy's face. That's you know? the one that was at the the wasn't it the one that was at the college like Davis? Wasn't that here, was right Davis. here? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I very much remember that. But yeah, um, this was awesome. 
that was a great storytelling. I enjoyed the guest artist as well because it was a little, it's a little different, but it's I thought it was really sharp. The last panel is is beautiful with the music notes at the end of it because I love that her violin is the contraband and she's like it's kind of nice that she touch, touches to that you know this is this would be the only song I'll ever play for you if she plays was kind of a yeah, nice. And I- yeah. I like in the beginning too with the uh, imagery for the violin, the violin, and you can see her body as yeah. the the violin. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which was kind of like a foreshadowing of what was you know, because yeah. it was the violin, you know, the human uh, female form. I, I I love it. I thought it was a great. I I mean, I wish I wanted to see a progression of the story, but I'm totally okay with getting the backstories of everybody. I, I think that the world of bitch planet is in in full effect here because you have so these kids have their music lesson going but the music lesson is actually a cover for the girls being able to take calculus classes yeah because the mom takes them down into the basement and turns on the you know the music of the violins playing Mm -hmm. so if anyone is overhearing them you know they'll think they're practicing yeah because like they have to be you know they're supposed to be just good enough at the violin to pass as like someone who's taking lessons yeah, but the real point is for them to you know to learn math. Yeah, she's. I mean, Miko's really smart because she could look at her dad's plans and knew what was wrong. Yeah, so and I mean that, that's they're they're just they're really like subversive, you know, because like obviously in this this world, teaching girls you know higher level math is just ridiculous, um, and then them being so good at like looking at plans that yeah. they like they obviously taught her things that. You know, they're not really supposed to. That she's not supposed to know these things, right? You know, it's crazy. It was, yeah. I I enjoyed this a lot. Yep. Uh, if I, I think we were talking, um, this probably if I had had the pick, I think this one would have been mine. It was it was good. It, I love a plan that you where you can see all the pieces moving around mm-hmm. and you know something's going on, but you don't know don't know what it is until the trap is sprung. Yeah, it was a, it was yeah. a great reveal at the end. That was a great great reveal. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very very good, um, and I mean it's a hard there's there's stuff in here that's hard to read. Too. It is, yeah. Like it was like I put this book down and I was like I'm done for the night. <laughs> like I'm not reading anything else, you know. Like this just punched me in the gut, and uh, I don't want to see any superheroes after this. Yeah, it it is hard to read, and I, I that's intention. I mean that's intentional. You know it's hard to read. You know when you're going to read this. This is like you need to sit down. You need to pay full attention. You need to you know kind of. It's going to engage your entire brain, which I think is really awesome that a comic can do that. Yes. I will give it 4.75 fuck yes. Nice. <laughs> I gave it a four and a half uh, non-compliance. I don't know. No. Four and a half uh, duck faces because Kelly Sue. Because <laughs> Kelly Sue. <laughs> she would love that. So then, uh, traveling back to back to superheroes, back to the Marvel universe, we had another uh, another book uh, full of women. Uh, A Force Number One by G Willow Wilson and art by Jorge Molina. So, if you read A Force, uh, the Battle World series, this is a continuation of that. So, Singularity, who's like the blue star looking galaxy girl, she's so cute. That is she is the super cutest cute. Like, thing. The art, they do a really good job of making her look like a child. Like, not just in her size and stuff, but in her, like, her body language. Like, the way she stands and kind of, like, looks down and, Big old you know. white doe eyes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, they do a good job of making her as adorable as possible, you know, and trying to figure out, like, the world. So she's that kind of, in that whole archetype of, what does it mean to be human? What is love? What is friendship? You know, those kind of, like, so she's kind of like the 
like Data or Spock or like that that kind of character, you know, who's trying to figure out what it means to really be a human being. So she remembers Battleworld. Secret Wars hasn't ended yet, so I don't know how Battleworld ended, but she sacrificed herself to to save Avalon. So now she's in the, the regular world, and Captain Marvel is out in space doing stuff. So she sees Captain Marvel um, and wants to go, you know, see her friend. Um, so there's this, like, anti anti-matter thing that's kind of like her opposite like it's it's a energy field you know cosmic thing also that's shaped like like a humanoid so they're they're fighting that this whole story is like it's almost like a like in a romantic comedy where you have like a meet cute but it's like for like the team like coming together you know there's like there's like zany hijinks and you know things are blowing up and People are, you know, bumping into each other. So, like, Singularity gets, like, knocked down to to Earth and, like, crashes through the Inhuman Tower and ends up, like, basically teleporting over to She-Hulk to because, you know, She-Hulk was her friend there. And one thing I thought was interesting is everyone else says they don't know her. And She-Hulk doesn't know her either, but She-Hulk immediately calls her her friend, you know, which I thought was interesting that that's the one who was her. Well, we haven't seen any of the other ones yet, so... Well, we saw when when she met Carol. Carol was like, "I don't know who." Well, you not are. yeah, but we're saying we've only seen two pretty much so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we haven't seen we haven't seen Nico. Uh, we haven't seen Dazzler, who's in this book for some reason. I don't I don't mm. know, but we do see Medusa, who you know comes marching down the street to find out who destroyed her tower and wants to arrest her. So you're kind of setting up in your you know your team coming together that there's someone who's you know, not totally on your side, that there's going to be some conflict there, which kind of parallels the uh, the A-Force story in the beginning where they thought that Medusa had betrayed them and was, like, plotting against them. So I think she's going to be, like, the member of the team who's, like, the, not the loose cannon, but the one who you're not quite sure, like, what their motivations are. Mm-hmm. So, like, this as a as a team book is everything I want a team book to to be. You've got some characters who are all who are all different from each other. You've got a mix of like adventure, like comedy, like good char- character development. I really liked it. There's also there's some just some like parts that I thought were really funny, like when she like lands in Brooklyn and is like crashed on like the car, and there's like the two hipsters who are standing there with their red Starbucks cup, mm-hmm. cup talking about how she's an alien that's crashed to Earth and you know maybe was sent here to escape like a dying world and they should like adopt her. And then they're like, oh, wait, no, <laughs> we're child free. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. No so way. I, I like I like that, like, hipster version of, like, the Kents yeah. she encounters. Um, and then kind of tying in with, like, the what does it mean to be human when she's, like, going through the space station with Carol and she gets to the, like, life support pods. And she's like, ah, oh, yes, support. I would like support for my life. And so she, like, hits the button mm-hmm. that sucks her out into space, you know. She doesn't understand what it is, you know? So I thought that was kind of, like, kind of cute. Um, and I just, I really like Captain Marvel. Um, just kicking space ass left and right, you know? Um, I like all of these characters. So I really am really looking forward to this. Um, I like She-Hulk. Um, we, we know you like She-Hulk. Yeah, so I, I thought that I already mentioned it. I'm like, nah, he just really likes She-Hulk. I was waiting for it. I was like, if he doesn't say it, I'm going to say it. Shulky? Yeah, I believe Matt and I are both big fans of She-Hulk. Um, so, I, I just, I, I, this team is are all characters that I, I really like. I don't really understand what Dazzler is doing in here. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. She'll she'll show up, and I'm sure she'll be awesome when she does. 
Um, it's written by G. Willow Wilson, who writes probably one of my favorite books, uh, which is Miss Marvel. So if you like the tone of Miss Marvel, um, you will like this as well. Um, if you don't like Miss Marvel, um, first of all, you're wrong, but you probably <laughs> won't like this either because it's very similar in, in tone and structure to Miss Marvel. Um, like I think like Singularity is kind of like your stand-in for like Kamala. So I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I gave it uh, four A's. I th- Singularity is so cute. I'm really interested in her. I think I might like the series more once characters that I'm more invested in start showing up. So in particular, Nico. But even for that, it's like there's a whole reason I really liked it with the Secret Wars one is because I saw Gert and Old Lace and Rogue on those panels. And I'm like, and they're not there. So I'm hoping that I'll still have interest as it goes on even though Singularity for me is a really big pull because I really like that character. So I'm thinking I'm going to give it three Where's My Gert uh, reviews. <laughs> maybe when they go to find Nico, maybe Gert will be there. Maybe. And I only half-ass read it, so I will, I will say no comment. <laughs> <laughs> so I had uh, another book. This actually, this next book was actually uh, Matt's, uh, Matt's pick which was Swamp Thing number one uh, from DC Comics. Um, so I'm, I'm going to carry the torch for him while he's, while he's not here. Um, written by Lynn Wine, uh, art by uh, Kelly Jones. So this is written by basically the, one of the original creators of Swamp Thing. So this is going back like before the Alan Moore run on Swamp Thing, um, kind of back to his roots, you know, but, um... which is... Yeah, well, I just realized <laughs> it's a terrible pun. So I just said it. Um, <laughs> So this is a really old school book. Um, I think it's. I think that is in a good way that it is. But this feels like an early '80s like horror comic. It totally does. Like a, like a Tales from the Crypt or EC Comics. Or... Down to the little bleeding um, word bubble. <clears throat> the word bubble. Yes. Sorry, excuse me. I love that. I like yeah. And it, this is a. It's a really straightforward uh, story told really well. You have, I mean, like I said, like if you like, it, it looks like one, like a like a monster movie like poster like come to life is what this what this looks like um, when you when you read it. So if if you've read um, like Afterlife with Archie, for example, it kind of reminds me of that in a way. Uh, the art. So the story like Swamp Thing is like chilling in the swamp, uh, hanging out with you know, bullfrogs and alligators and, you know, ferns, as he's wont to do. And some stupid humans get caught in some quicksand, so he goes to save them. But these aren't just, you know, any humans. They're, they came to the swamp intentionally because they'd heard that there was, you know, like a protector of the swamp. And, you know, their town is right on the border of the swamp, so they're hoping that he'll help them. So this is where it kind of like Swamp Thing meets, um, to me, like almost like the Cthulhu mythos with like Miskatonic University. Um, Cause there's this, this college there that uh, these students are trying to like study like life and death. They're doing a flatliners thing. I, that's my note that I wrote down says flatliners. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is flatliners. So they're, they're, they kill one. They want to kill one of the students and bring him back to life. And these two, you know, people, their son was the one who got killed. Um, and now like everybody in the class is dying, um, like horribly murdered. So Swamp Thing goes to investigate and, you know, big surprise, the kid who was, was killed, um, has come back as like a zombie and wants to kill everyone. And I wasn't quite sure if he wanted to kill them because they, 
because he's just evil and wants to to kill everything. But it's not like he really had it out for his parents too. So I don't know if maybe there's more to the story than we don't we don't know yet. But Swamp Thing and a zombie fight each other. I mean, it's a pretty brutal brutal fight. Uh, like at the end, the zombie basically just like literally just rips Swamp Thing in half, which is a really cool image. And he's like walking away, and like Swamp Thing is lying there in like two pieces, you know. Which I mean, he's plants. So yeah. He's gonna grow together like Groot kind of you know and he'll be fine but he got messed up and like he so this zombie thing is now on this uh you know this path of like murder and revenge um this is I gave this four stars um I felt like it was it did what it wanted to do very very well like obviously the person knows Swamp Thing really well um they chose the the tone that they chose to write in they nailed it um you know, it definitely feels like a 80s, like, sort of like maybe like a Tales from the Crypt or EC Comics uh, book. If you like horror, um, this this is your book. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a nice throwback. I like when things go do a retro take and go back to this origins and do it well. And they did really do it. I mean, actually, I was reading this um, and I was just pleasantly surprised about, like, you know, it had that kind of campy, like, original story like, like the, the art wasn't like blowing you out of the water with a lot of like the new art with now but it blew you out of the water in the way that how like i said like how retro it was so i give it a solid three um squishy vines i guess <laughs> what i just enjoyed that i just i i visually i visualized that yeah. well yeah. And at the beginning he's like fighting a gator and gets like this huge like like his arm almost ripped off, yeah. and it kind of like starts feeding back together. It has a squishy vine kind of look. <laughs> well, I like that when he's fighting the gator, and he's like, "You're such a like stupid, dumb beast that you can't understand not to attack me, and like he won't give up." And he's like, "I kind of respect that." <laughs> he like punches him in the head yeah. like as hard as he can. Like it's got its moments. You know? yeah. I want to go to Tazi Station and get some power converters. Is that whiny <laughs> enough? <laughs> no, no, you nailed it. <laughs> yes. So we have, uh, this is kind of like a two-parter. The last two parts of Vader Down both came out in the same week, which is kind of weird. I wish they'd spread them out a little bit, but Give me whatever. all the Star Wars is. Mm-hmm. Well, so the end of, of fourteen of Star Wars 14 from Marvel Comics, written by Jason Aaron, who we love, uh, art by Mike uh, Diodota. It has a cliffhanger, right? But because I had Vader, Did you I was able to flip the next. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Um, but I was just able to flip to like pick up Vader, and I was like, "Oh no, you know that was a very small cliff that I was hanging mm-hmm. on there." But I really, I really like this. Everyone kind of, and this is true for most of these Star Wars books that we really like. Everyone got their their moments, you know. Like, but this issue, these two issues actually, point out what I think might be kind of like a a potential problem with the story. Like, it seems really clear to me that they want Leia to be this total badass general who's willing to like order people's deaths and like get shit done, which I like that. I mean, that's she's her arc where she's going, but then they have to return her back to where she is when the movies start, you know? So I think they don't take it so far. Then they got to like walk it back. I think that's all going to, ha- I mean, she becomes a mom. She loses a son. I, I think that explains it all. Yeah. That, that is gotta be heartbreaking. I mean, true. But, I mean, the, the art on this is just really, uh, really, really good. Um, and also pretty consistent from, like, book to book. Mm-hmm. Like, if you put, like, panels of Star Wars next to Darth Vader, probably would be hard-pressed to tell them apart. Um, because they're both really, really good. 
there's some really awesome Darth Vader moments. There's a line where he has like uh, that this isn't a war that they're fighting. This is a series of executions, which I thought was just total badass. You know, I, I really liked that uh, part. There was the the Commander Carbon or General Carbon or whatever his name is. I do not like him. He's a stupid version of a stupid idea, um, which is General Grievance. Yeah. Uh, so him I is my least favorite part of this. Why do you mash up Mon Calamari with General Grievance? I don't understand. Well, I, I get it that they're supposed to, that the Mon Calamari is supposed to be like tactical geniuses, right? That like Akbar mm-hmm. is able to command the yeah. rebel fleet and all of that and uh what's his name grievous jr is trying to you know manipulate the empire so i see where they're going but it just it looks dumb you're like why (laughs) and the robot with like four arms and all the lightsabers yeah we've seen it and it didn't work um and it doesn't work here um there's a line where uh you know uh, carbon is telling vader like you're outmatched i have four lightsabers you only have one and then vader just beats the shit out of him basically and is like when you have you know the power of the dark side on your force you only need one yeah that that was pretty cool yeah. so he, i mean vader definitely has his moments in this vader could uh, probably take him out without even a lightsaber yeah. well what i liked is that while they were fighting this battle that clearly to like carbon was like the battle of his life yeah. like vader's talk, like on a phone call with someone basically. Yeah, much. like he's like this is yeah hold on i gotta take this That's like a large yeah. pizza extra cheese hold on i'm fighting some dude but that, oh, I think, can, I side, can I get a side of calamari too, by the way? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Car- Carbon looks like he has a purple lightsaber, isn't it? So it does. Like, it does. Like, so is that Mace's? Because, um. It might be. Don't they say like, he's the only one that had a purple lightsaber? I don't know. I forget what they I, kept and what they didn't keep. I, okay. Yeah, I, I think they did. I think he is supposed to be the only one. Well, I mean, he got show, you know, thrown out of that window, so, I mean. They could have picked it up. Yeah, exactly. You know? exactly. No, that's what I was getting at. But yeah. But there is as much as I don't like uh, carbon. I do like the design for is it uh, Black Kristan, the other Wookiee, the like bounty Wookie. hunter. Yeah, the evil Wookiee. Yeah, he's badass. I really like him. So he, uh, the fight between him and Chewie is is really cool. Um, there's a moment where you know Chewie's just, he's losing. Like, and Han's like, "Did you not give him the antidote?" And then, like, R2 fires, like, the dart in him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I did, like, like, cheer when it hit him. Because, like, they have this panel of, like, it's a close-up on his face. But, like, his eyes, oh. like, <laughs> widening when he gets it. I was like, oh, it's on now. And then, uh, like, Super Hulk smash, which was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, he punches the boulder, like, through the boulder into him. Yeah, and then, like, the little killer droids, they get their moment with the, they, like, turn the flamethrowers on the, the Empire. Yeah. Um, and then, like, they're, like... Kind of like how, like, you know, C-3PO and, like, R2 argue with each other. They're like, oh, don't kill them all. Leave me some. Yes. I love that. He calls them, what does he call them? Like, a selfish murder? Selfish murder bot. Yes. I posted that panel. I love that panel. That is a great line. That is hilarious. I love it. And then you had uh, Vader when he's actually in the Jedi Temple and he's seeing all the, like, the visions. Um, not really visions. He's, like, hearing stuff from the past. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you were supposed to be the Chosen One. You were supposed to bring balance to the Force. Oh, you know, I, I that love was, that. I really liked that. Um, that, you know, he was, he was that, that was a place that was strong with the Force. I'm um, with the light side of the Force. So he was being, like, haunted, haunted and, and tormented by that. 
Um, and he did not like that. Like, he got out of there, like, pretty much as fast as he could. Which, you know, if Vader is supposed to be kind of conflicted about his fall, I mean, he, it's hard to tell. Is he really conflicted or not at this point in the story? But yeah. that might be maybe the start of him, like, realizing, you know, where he's fallen and what he's what he's done. So then, like, because it's, you know, it's cliffhanger, you kind of have to have the part in the story where, like, all our heroes, um, you know, are, are losing the fight. And uh, there's a really cool panel where Vader is, you know, is fighting the Mon Calamari um, and Leia is behind him with, like, basically a gun, like, pointed at its back. And that's where, that's where Star Wars ends and Vader picks up. We have, I, I just want to, I still want to call it Vader Down. I'm still calling it Vader Down. So this is a part six of six. So this is the final issue of that compilation. So Darth, it's Darth Vader 15, Marvel Comics, written by Karen Gillan, uh, art by Salvador LaRocca. Uh, so we open up to still Carbon fighting uh, Darth Vader. We've got over this whole time to C-3PO has been has been talking to Leia um, and like, where are you? You know, what's you know, wh- what's going on? Um, and she uh, he said, like, please help because he isn't he he's with. Um, Luke, isn't he with Luke? No, he's not with Luke yet. He's he's with Han and Chewie. Yeah, and it, she she's like it's she, it's kind of neat because she's like taking her moment and she's like shit. What do I do? What do I do? And it, it's almost like the moment where she's like, you know what? They'll be okay. I'm gonna take this bitch down. I I it, I like that those couple panels where she's like thinking, mm-hmm. like she's like, hmm. That made me think about like when Luke has kind of like the same decision to make an empire mm-hmm. and he makes the opposite decision, yeah. you know, because like Leia is not fallen to the dark side, Mm-mm. you know, like her emotions are not in control of her. No, she's you know? she's very sound and figuring out what she's doing. And that, I, I liked that moment where it's like it's you literally just see her like thinking she's like freaking out. And then she's like kind of calms down is like it, it'll be OK. And she's like, do you know, do what you can to help on three people or, you know, we're everything's basically everything's gonna be all right um so it sounds we get dr agfra um talking to vader now so we have c3 we talk to leia we have agfra talking to vader um basically saying you know how what can i do to help you because she feels like she's led him into this trap um so we have them them talking back and forth then we also go back to uh chris chris Anthon. is that what we're going with chris Anthon? I, I, you're talking about the black the big, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Black I don't know. There's a lot of K's and R's in there. <laughs> a lot of R, yeah, K's and R's. Um, we go back to that. It's like we're getting three different stories all at once, and we go back to that, and we're uh, he's got Chewie on the ground, Hans Hans down. He's now going after C3PO, and fucking R2, my bo- homeboy, saves the day. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that freaking electric shock. It looks like, or is he is he getting the shock? no? It's it's C three PO. Yeah, because C three PO is all messed up from oh, when the right. the droids like tore him spark- apart. So he's got all these like sparks. It almost looks sparks like, coming off. Of him. It almost looks like R two is doing something, but I guess not. It is when he punches him. Yeah. He breaks- well, that's when like Han says like I can't believe you saved the day. Yeah. <laughs> well, By malfunctioning and electrocuting. Yeah, we, yeah, we forgot that. Yeah, um, Triple Zero stole three PO's arms. Yeah, ripped him. He put his head on backwards because he thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those little bots are assholes. <laughs> I love those bots. <laughs> Pretty awesome. That that panel ends. We go back to. It's like we're having. We have three like three things going on. Oh god! Like, yeah. those, I feel like there should be a swipe. You know? <laughs> uh-huh. 
is so much action going on because we go back now to Darth Vader and 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 uh, I'm just gonna say Calamari dude because yeah, Carbon. <laughs> Can I just say Calamari dude? Evil Calamari. Evil Calamari. So he is he's to make his escape, and uh, we got Doctor Agra who is basically crashing her ship into him um, to you know to redeem herself. Uh, I like. I like the line, this this isn't just the revenge for the Death Star, it's something else. So obviously he knows something's going on. He knows that Vader is there for more than just that, more than just revenge on, on the Rebels. Um, and then just Vader slaughters him, because like, we'll never know. Fuck it. Yeah. Punch. Yeah. <laughs> Death punch. Um, and then we go, then we go back to uh, back to see the damage of uh, C-3PO and Chewie wakes up, and uh, I love I love Chewie holding C three PO. Like, oh, I got you, buddy. I got you. It was very cute. I like that. Um, and then we see uh, the shuttle taking off, which was the shuttle that um, actually had Luke, uh, the calamari dude. I'm still saying it. Um, that was his ship, and is taking off with Luke in it. And we see Vader, Vader, like just looking off, pissed. And then <laughs> I love it. The ship crashes. Well, yeah, I mean, Vader uses the, yeah, uh, the uses force, the force. To, like, destroy. He just, like, kind of, like, clinches his fist, yep. which, I guess, crushes the engine. Yep. Yeah. And it's just, boom, and then ship crashes. <laughs> Han, kid's, kid's the luckiest you know, luckiest guy alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we uh, we get Dr. Agfa back again, and she's like... Which, that thing with Han Solo, yeah. I thought was kind of neat, because... Uh, he talks about, uh, you know, luck, and then they tell him, that, you know, there is no such thing as luck. Mm-hmm. So when he sees the force in action, he just thinks of it as luck. Yeah. I thought that was oh, yeah, he doesn't, a nice he little tie-back. He still doesn't believe in it. Yeah. No. There's a hole on the top of the Falcon that got ripped through by that damn Wookiee. Yeah. So it doesn't, doesn't really believe in it. The Falcon's been smashed up plenty of times. Mm-hmm. So it's like a freaking hole. I, I, I love that. I, going back, though, to the Star Wars one where he's like, it's like, Tell Jabba! He's like, oh, it's not about Jabba this time. I was like, oh, that was true. So we have we have Dr. Agra trying to yet again redeem herself, um, and she's trying to blow them up. She's got cue the minefields, and she's got her button on the trigger, and 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 they figure out that she's with Vader and uh, or Luke. She's like, Luke didn't know it. Han obviously, I guess, knew it. And uh, I, I love it where it's like the things I could tell you, and Leia is like, bitch. <laughs> It just like sucks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just knocks her out, just straight out. And I love it. She's like stretching her hand out after she does it. Like, hmm, hmm, hmm. I, I love, I, I love, I love that. And I, <laughs> the line from Leia, like she says, she knows things. Let's get her bored. Like nothing, like nothing just happened at all. Nothing, nothing just happened. We're good. We're good here. Does it? Does it seem to you like the current way that they're writing Leia? really reflects like Carrie Fisher more than the actual character the way she's portrayed in like the films like all of her reactions on like the press tour for yeah. like um Force Awakens where she's just telling people basically just yeah shut up yeah. suck it you know yeah. like I don't want to hear your shit exactly. you know yeah I I actually really like that I I I think that yeah I mean it is Carrie Fisher so Carrie Fisher gets to be Carrie Fisher and Carrie P- Fisher is Princess Leia so oh, yeah. yeah I I totally appreciate that um, yeah, the line, I definitely feel like yeah, the line at the end is kind of ominous about I'm never going to get back to that temple. I was close to something, and this ends there. 
Yeah, yeah. When you go, oh god, I guess we're gonna have a Force Awakens spoiler uh, with the Jedi Temple yeah. and the yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. That was I enjoyed that. I thought that was a, a nice little touch. I was like, ooh. Well, I like when when they were in the Jedi Temple. I was like, is this the sa- this can't be the same temple because it's not a water planet. They're like a desert. Yeah, I know. you know. So, is there maybe a reason for it? Like something happened to the planet? I don't know if maybe it's the same planet, but they've. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was a cool, cool little tie-in too. Yeah. Well, the planet is Virgo Virgo Gas Voss is the planet that they're on. So I don't know if maybe keep out keep an eye out for that name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I don't know where. So we had two two Star Wars books that we liked. But then there was another Star Wars book. Um, we have to talk about it. <laughs> we need to. We need to warn people. Um, so this was uh, Obi Wan and Anakin uh, number one, uh, Marvel Comics. Uh, I didn't write down who did the art or the. Well, maybe I did. It's Charles Soule. Oh okay. yeah, and Charles Mark- Soule, who I actually really like. Yeah. Um, and Marco Chichetto. Chichetto, I think. I like. Who, I don't really know Chiquetto's work well enough to say whether I like it or not outside of this, but uh, I was really expecting more from um, the the writer because I really like his stuff. This was, I think, what it comes down to is you've, it's got two things working against it. You've got really great Star Wars books mm-hmm. in Star Wars Invader, and you know to a lesser extent like Chewbacca yeah. and Lando. You know, that- we can just forget Leia. Just shove that book off to the side. And the Canon one was good too. The Canon one is better than this. Yeah, uh, but this one, so it's got it's got to be it's you know there's a, there's a grading curve here that works against it. Um, and then you've got basically characters that I don't like or care about. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I, I just I really don't like whiny Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, I just I don't like that point in the the story with him. So you've got characters I don't really care about doing something I don't really care about that isn't very clear, right. first of all. I mean, I know it's supposed to be a mystery that they're investigating, but, like, there's, like, steampunk airships. Yeah. And like It's been very confusing as to yes. what I just, I don't know. It's... It was confusing, and I did not like it enough to investigate further. It was one of those things where it's like, I just didn't care. Yeah. I just didn't care. I kept, you know, I kept reading because I was like, I'm going to get to the point where it's going to be awesome because this is a Star Wars comic book and I I expect that. But in the end, uh, I would say skip this unless you are a fan of the prequels. That's exactly Uh, my thoughts. uh (laughs) If you you are a fan of the prequels, and there are people who are... Right. If you grew up with the prequels, you're going to love them because when you saw them, you are like, Eight, ten, twelve, whatever. And they so were super you, awesome. They were super awesome. You did have that spoon. Oh. And there are people who love Clone Wars, the cartoons and stuff too. So yeah. So I, if you yeah. like Clone Wars, I'd say read um, Kanan. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, not not. That's Rebels. Rebels, Rebels. is Kanan. Oh, that's right. I think Clone Wars. This, this is in between uh, Phantom and Attack of the Clones, right? Because this is he's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's it should be. It should be before. Before yeah. Attack of the Clones. So, if you like that time period, if you like the prequels, if you like hearing about Anakin, um, and it's not like I don't like Obi Wan, I just don't think at this point he's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be a Star Wars. Uh, the next arc is going to be Obi Wan. Yeah, I believe it's going to be Obi Wan, and that that part of his story is much more interesting to me. So, it's not like I don't like the character, but 
just at this point, I just I gave it like two stars or two. Fuck it, I can't even think of any. I don't have the energy to <laughs> two fuck it. Two fucks, yes. <laughs> I'd, I'd avoid it if I was you. Uh, I I did I did like the art. I thought the art was kind of fun. Um, I, the part with Palpatine. I'll give him that. Yeah, the 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 dialogue between Palpatine and Mace Windu was kind of interesting. I actually I, I enjoyed that part of it. Um, I didn't. That that was that was about it. I I I liked the design of the characters that they end up meeting, but I don't really care and much beyond their design like I don't really care to know who they are honestly and I think that's what they were going there to find these people um I'll give it a I don't know one and a half Jar Jars Ooh. Oh. ouch <laughs> alright All right. so those were the books we read this week to check out our weekly pull list and other nerd shenanigans go check out fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page Four Color Nerds you can find the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on Podcast Addict. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds. I'm an alligator. I'm a mama, papa coming for you. I'm a space invader. I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you. Baby